Oh my god. Happy New Year. Oh yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> what a fucking New Year it is. Twenty one twenty twenty one starting out very nicely. It's been wow. a week. <laughs> I mean Wow. Yeah. I think we're all collectively just like still in some sort of shock. Whatever that means for us individually. It's kinda like what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they dressed as buffaloes? Yeah, right. I mean, we have so much to say about this. I've I've got so much to say. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna hear me monologuing. That's lots, okay. I hope, uh, you know, but but um, yeah. This I I've been reading about a lot of this stuff just on my own for mm-hmm. side projects, and I think about some what? of that what is do you relevant. Mean, what do you mean reading about militia movements? Oh, oh right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've been just sort of researching them a bit for the past six months or so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's, I want to, let's, let's talk about this. How's it go? This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Today, we're going to talk about the coup. Was it a coup though? It was an attempted coup. Was it? I, I'm going to say it was, um... I mean, it was a stupid coup, but but it was it was an attempted I, coup nonetheless. I don't think it was a coup, but let's okay. We can talk well, about we'll, that. Well, let's yeah. get into that. All right, so I'm going to call it a coup or an attempted coup. Mm-hmm. It's a failed coup, nonetheless. Uh, so far, uh, it seems like it's it's utterly failed. I know there's a lot of talk about whether this is the death throes, last gasp of something, the Trump movement, or is this the birth of something new? Right. Uh, and it's going to be a sort of new norm in in contentious politics to come. Who knows? I'm not going to try to sort of future cast that. Um, but I want to talk about where this, how, you know, everybody watched this and it, I think everybody was just kind of baffled. You know, you saw this going on and... You were you were kind of shocked and you were really confused. (laughs) Yeah, you know, really. I mean, that's one of the things is like it's like this weird conglomeration of people. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today is, um, the right and the extreme right more broadly, um, and just like the left, you know, the 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 broader left often comes under attack for being sort of too big tent a party, you know, that that there's so many different issues and, and, and interest groups that they're and therefore they're hard to sort of organize and unify. Um, the right is also an amalgam of interest groups, associations, activists, um, and 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 the extreme right as well. And so what I want to talk about today is I'll, I'll call it sort of two approaches, the hard edge approach of the extreme right and the soft edge. Um, and so let's start with the hard edge. Okay. And we've seen versions of this. Obviously, yesterday uh, in D.C. with this attempted coup, that was a hard edge version. They, they literally uh, stormed the Capitol building, right? So that's obviously a hard edge approach. But we've seen it before. We've seen it at Trump rallies. We saw it at Charlottesville. Uh, we've seen it with the BLM counter protesters, uh, the Proud Boys movement, all of that. That's that's the sort of hard edge. So the first thing I think we can ask is like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. You know, where do they come from? <laughs> because suddenly they're on your TV and they're destroying the Capitol building, right? Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but they have this weird iconography that they come with, all these weird flags, and you know, different symbols. Um, have you, did you notice that at all? Yeah, but I mean, I thought most of them were, you know, you saw a couple like revolutionary, like snake things, whatever the right. fuck those Don't are. tread on me. Yeah, the don't tread on flag. me. I saw tons of, I saw a lot of Trump flags. Right. Obviously your Confederate flags sh- showed up. Right. And then, um, I saw actually a couple, more than a couple, um, I don't remember, maybe the original American flag with the 13 colonies, 13 stones, yeah. whatever. One of the versions of that flag. I saw a few of those, which is just right. like, come on. 
Right. You guys aren't even from those places. The Texas flag was out there. <laughs> Texas, I saw. Um, I did. Yeah. yeah. The There's one thing I wanted to sort of get at here is that in terms of the iconography, you saw it yesterday, but you also have seen it at these rallies, is the Jesus flag with the AR-15 on it. I haven't um, seen that one. Okay. So that's yeah. that's a sort of common one now, which... which um, it makes on sense. The, on the... On the face of it, people will be like, oh, come on, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. how is that possible? How are they connecting Christianity with machine guns? Um, and there is a rationale behind that. There, there, there is a sort of co- coherent, I, I struggle to say that word, but there, there is an ideology behind that. The Celtic crosses, uh, the Nazi flags, uh, obviously you mentioned the uh, Confederate flags, the Klan symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all over the place. Yeah. The Roman numeral three. Didn't see um, that one. If you've seen that, that's the three percenter movement, uh, which is this sort of patriot militia movement that that makes the false argument that only three percent of the American population fought in the Revolutionary War against the British, and then they are going to be that same three percent to protect America from Got its it. internal enemies now. Okay. Oh, um, and then, of course, the big Q, right? Right. The, the Q, that, the I Q saw tons right. of. Right. So I that's mean, that, and that's. I think that's a separate category. A lot of Q sent me. Signs. Yeah. Right. Right. Q sent me. Right. So right. Bizarre. I saw uh, a an, really an elderly woman dressed as the Statue of Liberty with a giant Q on her chest. Wow. Um, walking up the steps. Right. So so, it's a group that's made up really of the Klan, white separatists. These Christian identity groups. Uh, there's another movement called Odinism. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this. Nope. This is this is basically people who believe that Norse theology uh, is the way to go because there's too many non-white people in Christianity now. Um, so they like pray to Odin and Thor and stuff like that. Um, and then you've got the radical tax kind of resistors and opponents right the you know the tea party type taxed enough already right is the tea party uh mantra um and and they've done things you know crazy things so far and you look at that and you're like okay you've got jesus and an ar-15 you got guys who pray to odin you've got guys who've got gripes about the federal taxation scheme Mm -hmm. what's bringing them all together and i would argue two things are bringing them together uh one is white power for sure. Uh, and then the second is militarism. Um, and that's, I think, the sort of key thing that's been overlooked. Um, it's one way to sort of think about America's wars throughout time is that, that you know, we often sort of categorize and catalog the, the legacy of war with, you know, um, standard... And, and there's a reason for that, you know, casualties, right? People who are injured, people who are missing, people who are killed, et cetera, taken prisoner, whatever. But there's all these other after effects that escape the, the, the battlefield. Um, and, and I think the militarism, the sort of militarization mm-hmm. of culture itself, that, you know, the, the idea that, you know, it's a cool thing to walk around with the AR-15, even if you're not in the military, and you should wear fatigues, even if you're not in the military, that whole thing didn't come out of thin air. Um, it came out of a long tradition. So one thing, and again, I'm, I'm going to go off right now just because um, I think it'll help explain some stuff. <laughs> go ahead. If you, the history of the Klan, right? Let's, let's take a look at the history of the Klan. The history of the Klan comes out of the Civil War, right? It's a, it's a, a, a violent terroristic response to radical reconstruction and the attempt to bring black male equality, at least uh, on the legal one, to some extent, social grounds in the South, right? So you get the first clan. Those guys are all veterans from the Civil War, right? They create, uh, uh, you know, Nathan Bedford Forrest, the guy who created the, the clan, was a Confederate general, right? Um, so right there, you've got the, the initial um, marriage of white power and militarism. The second clan that is the height of the Klan, really. They get 4 million members in 1920, and that's when the U.S. population was only 106 million, so about 4% of the population were active Klan members. That doesn't even count the sympathizers. That comes right after World War One, and a lot of the people who contribute to the organization of that Klan are veterans. Um, and they 
argue that there needs to be sort of a more sort of militarized, disciplined American society uh, that is vigilant about racial degeneration. Um, and that's kind of what they take up. And it ends up kind of not working because their whole, their, one of their leaders from Indiana gets caught uh killing, mutilating, raping a teacher um, in Indiana. And so all of their stuff about, you know, the honor of the Klan and so on kind of goes out the window. And, and But they come roaring back in the third Klan, which is during the Civil Rights Movement. And that's the veterans from World War II and the Korean War. And all of these guys, again, they're calling for... Um, a military discipline. They have all these sort of trainings and stuff like that, shooting training. Um, one sort of very spectacular example of this is that it was a Navy veteran that trained the Klansmen that put in the explosives that bombed the 16th Street Church, Ebenezer Baptist Church in Birmingham that killed four little girls. Um, so there's a sort of direct line between this sort of militarism and the Klan, right? So that's that's one thing. And that's, I, that's an important part of uh, what happened at, at the Capitol. Everybody saw that picture of that guy dressed as a buffalo, right? He had a big Klan tattoo across his stomach, right? So, so wow. yeah, so th th these, this is like there. Now, there's a difference with these guys, though, with the traditional Klan. Um, the current kind of white power guys are different because the Klan kind of had always argued that the U.S. was becoming corrupted due to race mixing um, and, you know, the supposed negative effects of creeping political or social equality with different races, and they're going to restore decency to the U.S. government. These guys... Um, and, and, and that old clan saw themselves as sort of auxiliaries of the U.S. government, sort of, you know, protecting it. These guys are anti-government for the most part, the new white power people. Um, and their argument is that they're opposing the U.S. state precisely because the U.S. government has bent to the will of racial minorities, right? That the Civil Rights Act happened, the Voting Rights Act happened, and their power has then been diminished because of that is their view. Um, it's not next necessarily a wrong reading of what happened, but but their view is then they're entitled to it, right? Like this, this is ours. Even if we lose an election, it's still ours, that mm -hmm. kind of view. Um, and the reason why they're anti-state is because they're also coming out of war, but it's a different war that makes them suspicious about the U.S. government, and that's because they're coming out of the, U the Vietnam War. So all of the guys who create the, the modern militia movement are Vietnam vets, um, and they kind of come back to America bringing all of the, the racial animus that they had in the war. So one thing to remember is that the U.S. government um, desegregated the Army in 1948, but throughout the entire Vietnam War, there was like racial battles in every barracks. Um, and I mean, it was like horrible. Um, it was basically like a race war going in within the Vietnam War. And so these guys come back and they come back and their view is like their country has changed because there's a, now there's an immigration act that doesn't have racial quotas anymore. Mm -hmm. That comes in 1965. Now there's a voting rights act that says that you can't discriminate on the basis of race for voting in any way. Um, and then after 1973, you've got the OPEC oil crisis, which sort of decimates the U.S. economy and, all, and, and increasing women in the workforce. So all the entitlements that white guys thought they were due seem to be under attack from global forces and then sort of internal forces. And so their view is that, you know, they've got a crisis of confidence in the government and they have a sort of narrative about the Vietnam War, too, that they were wronged, right? That their view of the Vietnam War, which is an absurd view, but it's their view nonetheless, which is that they fought with one hand tied behind their back. 
that the U.S. Army and the and the politicians would not let them unleash the full firepower of the U, U, U.S. military to sort of get the job done um, in Vietnam. Now, also just known as, as an, war just, crimes. It's yeah, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Just as an aside, um, three million Vietnamese people were killed in in the Vietnam War. We lost fifty eight thousand. Right? right. So just think about that difference there. Um, there. One historian named Nick Terse has estimated that the equivalent of 600 Hiroshima's were dropped on Vietnam during during the war. All right. So that's not enough firepower, apparently, for for these guys. And so they have this sort of stab in the back theory that it's uh, craven politicians uh, bowing to pressure from, you know, hippies and liberals um, to sort of, you know, destroy them um, and lose the war. Um, and so they lose, conf they're not like the Klan, they're not like, oh, we're going to protect the American state. They're like, forget the American state. And by 1983, they literally declare that we are a revolutionary movement that is all about destroying the American state. And that's when you get, you know, 10 years later, you get Ruby Ridge, Waco, and then Timothy McVeigh. Um, and they're all coming out of this movement. And then, and most of these guys are also veterans. They're those veterans from the Gulf War. Right. So their view is that you have to take um, action to sort of overthrow this sort of fundamentally corrupted government because it's it's been corrupted by um, racial minorities. Right. So even if it's, you know, majority white governance, you know, they they're they're too um, kind of. Uh, I don't know what the word is kind of in it in the sway or, or influenced by or beholden to uh, the racial minorities of the country. And therefore, and that's why they're calling for like white ethno states and stuff like that. They've got this vision of the Pacific Northwest being as like a kind of white Shangri-La that they've been trying to sort of have for years. Um, so anyway, um, that's, that explains that grouping of people and all of the icons that you, we saw, right? That, that why are they bum rushing the capital? Um, it's because of course they're going to. The reason they want to keep it is because they have one guy who they believe actually is for them in terms of white power, which is Donald Trump, right? So they're not there for the government because they think the government is sacrosanct and they care about the constitution and whatnot, which is some of the stuff that the soft edge people argue, but but rather they, they know they've got a sort of white supremacist um, in power, and they're fearful about losing that. So what, what was your take, you know, on when that happened, like what was going through your head? Yeah. Did you, did you think that the cops were going to sort of go nuts on them and start shooting or, or what? And, uh, let me say the day before, two days before this happened, I felt like it wasn't going to be peaceful. I felt like it was going to get out of hand. I, th I did originally think counter protests would show up and I thought people were going to die. I didn't know what it would turn into, but I never thought Trump's calling for a rally. These barbarians show up and they yell and then they go home. That was never part of what I thought was going to go on. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started watching it and it seemed like what it would be at first, just a bunch of, you know, vile humans, you know, uh, the worst people you can ever see in, in every aspect of the word, physically, mentally. These are these are not model Americans. These are these are the, the cruds of the earth, the walking hypocrites who suck from the system and then uh, want to kill the system. Um, when they started kind of pushing to the Capitol, I remember thinking, okay, the army's going to, so there's somebody, there's people, there's people in that building that are going to come out and handle this, right? Like, I mean, for that size crowd, what was it? 2000 people, maybe. I think the actual crowd that attacked yeah. um, was around that, but the full crowd was in the maybe 10,000. Right. So the crowd that attacked, I'm thinking, you know, 50 special op, 
you know, Secret Service guys take that crowd out easy. We have pretty good weapons. <laughs> um, and when they got, when they started scaling the wall, and that's when I kind of realized, oh my God, they're going in. I thought they were going to get on that floor and and hold hostages. Like I, I, I didn't quite know what was going on. But then, well, as you kind of see, there was a guy who they, there's a photo of him that he had weapons and yeah. then he had on him about 50 zip yeah, ties. Yeah, zip ties. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, and then when you, you know, you're starting to see pictures from inside because I'm obviously, I'm flipping through Fox News, MSM. I, I do all of them. Even mm-hmm. Fox News is like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, they didn't know what to do because, you know, I think, I think in retrospect, they know they kind of caused it, but then they also are like, oh no, guys, we can't do this. So it was really interesting watching them. You know, the other two networks that you would watch were always, they're always very hysterical and I just didn't need that. So Mm -hmm. I actually felt watching Fox News was the best because they kind of got rid of the hysteria, which we were all feeling. I didn't need to hear, you know, Rachel Maddow and Anderson Cooper doing it. I I got that. Um, But I really at some point thought, okay. Anderson Cooper was kind of funny though. I, I was, you, yeah, a did little you bit. see him like yeah. anytime there would like focus on somebody be like, yeah. look at that idiot. I know. I know. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, no, they were all, I was, we were doing, we would do about five, 10 minutes on each one. Um, but when, when nothing was happening, I was just, that's when I started to go, oh, right. Cops, cops, Trump's not calling the national guard. He would have had to, mm-hmm. um, because you know, DC is not a state. There's no governor. So that's up to Trump. And then I start, then the picture started coming, you know, I'm, I'm also on Instagram the whole time and you know, there's, there's great journalists out there putting it out immediately and you're seeing the cops taking selfies. And that's when I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. they're letting this happen. They are, they are actually excited about this because the, the most police unions, um, were for Trump. Yeah. The big ones. The big for ones. Sure. NYPD. Um, there's also this this movement um, that started in 2009 called the Oath Keepers, um, which is also like a kind of a militia movement. It's demobilized soldiers, military police, and police who have a secret society, and they they number maybe thirty, forty thousand apparently. Yeah. Um, many of them are active in the police, of course. Who, who basically say that um, if in their view, if they see the Constitution being abridged in any way mm-hmm. um they're going to use violence force whatever uh to make sure that things are are righted um and so you know the the police sympathy i thought the yesterday was such an exposure oh my of god how racist the police are oh my god it was it was Let's just be laid real bare we it all know laid bare if they were turbans on the heads of those people <laughs> just turbans right. Right. They would have machine gunned those the people. Sikhs. They would have been toast if they were black, if they were Latino, if they were Native Amer- if those were Native Americans. Slaughter. Actually coming back to take their land. We would have slaughtered them. We all know this. This is not I, I mean, I think racist people know. We all know it. But to your point about the Ku Klux Klan, it's like it's interesting that most of the chapters of it were born out of ex military guys. I think what's going on now is police. It's not as many ex-military, it's more police. These police officers, they're the ones in every single Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter um, protest, standing, uh, what was the, the Native American pipeline in South Dakota? Remember the South oh, Dakota? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Standing Rock. Standing Rock. These are police officers who are harassing and abusing people of color. Um, most of the most people that are ex-military that I know, we know a lot of them. Yeah, they think these people are a joke. Yeah. So let me let me just um, parenthetically say, um, as, as the argument that I'm trying to put out here is not that veterans per se right um, are the sort of progenitors of the Ku Klux the Klan. It just so happens that the history of warfare in the United States and outside wars come back to roost in these ways uh and it's because these racist veterans have the expertise right. of the military that they're helping to create these militia movements and bombing churches and stuff like that the only police officer you saw running for his life yesterday was a black man mm-hmm. do you see that video 
I did up the steps, you know, up the steps. Terrifying. Yeah. That was yeah. the scariest video. That I was made. very scary. Like you that could tell that very... guy was afraid for his life. Of course, as he should have been. As he should have been. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just can't. I, I don't know what's going on. There's no, you know, maybe seventy arrests. They're saying, you know, how, how are how are there not more arrests? How are there not more people? Um, detained. Why? Why was it not a the, the National Guard called in and they barricaded them and said no one's leaving? This is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, you had senators underneath desks thinking they were going to get killed. You had a girl, a woman who was storming, shot in her neck, died in the building. Three more people died, and this today is like we're all. It's just like we're on. We're, we're moving on with life. No, yeah. no, 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 no. This is crazy. The capital they, of the they, United States was yeah. overtaken by morons. These are not people. It was why I was saying it's not a coup. Like you said, there's a guy. He's got um. He's got uh, um, zip ties. This guy's got flags. That was just a. It was just a uh, an extremely violent riot of hate. There was no organization. There was no leader. There was no Trump is the leader, but there's no leader on the ground saying you guys man this you man this tie them up it was just chaos because that's all trump ever was was chaos so to say it was a coup is giving them too much credit that's why they all just walked out peacefully because they had it they took they took the building over a coup is like we're 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 not leaving yeah this is not the bolsheviks right but the but the this is just a a, it's got the fingerprints of sure this white power movement because that the one of the also the different things versus again versus the clan which has their grand dragons and grand wizards and whatnot oh um, is that the, this white power movement of militias and so on is is supposed to be leaderless and the idea is that because it's leader, leaderless it can't be decapitated. Um, well, and, that's true. You know, and and so you and they have this sort of cellular organization, so not everybody even knows each other who's who's in it. I know, but I'm just saying there was Um, there was not even there weren't even five people with a plan. They were taking selfies with their feet up on the desk. The plan was chaos. The plan was let's let's keep pushing, and then you could tell they were all like, "Okay, I think we're going to get in." And the cops opened up the thing. I was like, "All right, let's storm it. Let's go in." There was never I didn't see one video of someone that was giving orders. Zero. It was just chaos, and they right. the people next to each other, like you said, didn't know each other. It was just we know why we're here, except we don't really know why we're here. Right, right. But that's often <laughs> how like these kind of like spectacular mob things happen. You know, like the storming of the Bastille, French revolutions. Nobody's like organizing that or like that's a, a symbol of what we don't like. I Let's know, go but attack Amit, it, right? they just walked out at the end. The cops were like, okay, guys. Well, that's because they let them. Right. They, right. they were holding right. their hands on the way out of the steps, for God's sake. Right. You know, I just saw, saw that video of yeah, a woman being, you know, helped down by a cop. You I compare know. that with that old man in Buffalo <sighs> in the, who got his head bashed in and mm-hmm. pushed just because he was walking down the street. Um, so the I, I understand what you're saying. And you're yeah, they're idiots. However, What's different again? What's different now is that they're they've got this sort of online organizational thing, where it's it's basically like an idiot violent flash mob um, can be created <laughs> almost any moment. Yeah, and then mobilized. It's like right? Zoolander, where yeah. like they say a word and then he kills yeah. the prime minister of Malaysia. It's like right. a bunch of idiots. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah. So that's one element of it i and will say this is it's, it's like a long time coming could That's you imagine thing. i will say this if they if that mob were to have run into nancy pelosi in her office they would have killed her yeah no one's talking about that they would have killed her because trump has made her this enemy of the people aoc all, i mean they would have the killed squad. any one of those yeah. people yeah. so we're lucky that they didn't get in the secret service held it down but it could have been a lot worse I was it's thinking about crazy. that all day. Imagine, yeah. imagine. Oh yeah, she yeah, probably yeah, went absolutely. home going, "Oh my god." Yeah, I mean, Mike they Pence went in, was and in like, there. Yeah, and they desecrated her office. I mean, oh for sure. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy. Okay, so yeah, it's let's let's take a pause for a second.
I will say this. Joe Biden, you're literally walking into the bottom of the barrel. You got to do something. I mean, you're being handed (laughs) the Capitol being taken over. Cops letting terrorists in. If this doesn't give you the keys to extreme progressive action, then you're part of the problem. Well, I don't think there's going to be any progressive action on his part. That he, he doesn't want it. That's not what he's about. You know, that's the thing. And and he's and and the thing is, now he's been elected. He doesn't. He, he and he knows he only see. has one term. We're going to see. We're going to see. I, I I don't think politically don't think... this is. I don't think politically this is going to have anything um, uh, to do with policy wise in terms of like social policy or economic policy. I think it's. I think it's going to maybe do something with regard to security policy because that's that's what the american government knows right that and and now even gop senators even though they've been stoking this the whole time we're finally scared for a moment of what they've unleashed yeah right so they're all walking it back now yeah yeah all of a sudden i can't they can't believe and this is what i'm really not liking about the media coverage is that it's such a laser focus on trump 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 uh, which forgets that every authoritarian regime that's ever existed has can only exist and only has power because of the thousands of enablers of you know the leader. Um, Trump alone is nothing. It's Trump with all the help is something. Hundred percent. And, and and you know Mitch McConnell, all these people who and and this is where I want I want to talk about like the the soft edge version of this, right? So we talked about this hard edge version of white power. And there's a soft edge version to it also. And that's, I think it's embodied by two people and they're connected um, because he clerked for him. It's Senator Josh Hawley um, from Missouri and Chief Justice John Roberts and and Hawley clerked for him. So, you know, both, um, I know Hawley is uh, a member of the Federalist Society, which is the conservative lawyers that got together in the early 80s. Um, interestingly enough, I think that was 82 and in 83, the white power movement declared uh, war on the government. And so it's this weird sort of connection there. But anyway, uh, so it's these lawyers who got together in the University of Chicago and Yale um, and basically argued that the Warren court and the sort of federal courts and law schools ever since were dominated by liberalism um, and their whole aim is to change the sort of makeup the institutional um, orientations and the ideology of the government and the courts mm-hmm. um, and Hawley is like their poster boy right so and and their whole argument and this is where Scalia is coming from as well originalism textualism I'm just gonna read the Constitution the words and look up literally the definitions and that's all it can mean and you know because all I care about is sort of the strict constitutional interpretation and their whole BS argument um, is that it's non ideological right even though they create a whole organization that is expressly ideological and saying we're conservatives, they say that our way of interpreting the law is non-ideological. John Roberts, when he was getting um, under congressional uh, super, um, you know, scrutiny, um, famously said, you know, I don't have a judicial philosophy. I just call balls and strikes, right? I, 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 I don't, I don't do, I'm completely neutral. You know, there's nothing that's sort of governing my interpretive framework. I'm just looking at the constitution and calling balls and strikes. Um, and there's one of the things that is a sort of principle or two things really of this movement. And it's really about the anger that they have about the Voting Rights Act, about Brown v. Board of Ed, um, about the Immigration Act of 1965 that gets rid of racial quotas, um, all of these things that they see as attacks on uh, the traditional white power establishment, which is what it was, um, they saw as activism, even though those are congressional <laughs> legislative acts which have the popular will, right? It's not doing it from the bench, really. Um, maybe Brown be Board of Ed a little bit, um, but the other ones are congressional you know, acts that have to wend their way through Congress and they're voted on, right? 
But their whole argument is that, look, judges aren't legislators, they're judges, so they're not going to be judicial activists. And the other major thing that was code for their racism was that we're for states' rights, right? And states' rights for the longest time was code for being pro-slavery or pro-segregation, right? That, you know, let the state do what they want to do because it's their sovereignty. Mm -hmm. That, so just, you know, if... I think most people know his name by now, but Hawley is the guy who um, created the legal case to challenge um, the, the the Trump defeat in Pennsylvania, and that's what they voted on the other day. Um, mm-hmm. and, sa- and basically saying that even though the Pennsylvania state courts certified the election, and there were lots of challenges to that election, but, but the, 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 the states themselves under the Constitution are allowed to conduct their their own voting systems right which is could be a problem but whatever that's the way it is right and these guys are strict constitutionalists and basically Hawley was saying that even though it went through the state courts and it was certified by the state the state got it wrong so the federal government should step in and overturn state rights in this instance right it's the same thing and where does he get that from he gets that from that sort of view comes exactly from John Roberts as well. John Roberts, if you remember, famously basically said with Shelby County versus Holder that racism is over in America. uh, And therefore the Voting Rights Act needs to be gutted. uh, Even though uh, three or four years before that case went, Congress had renewed it in 2006. The Senate voted 98 to zero to renew it there was 15,000 pages of congressional testimony, witnesses, uh, official reports on racism in elections, which found out in the past 25 years up to that case, there was racial discriminatory um, attempts to suppress the vote on a weekly basis for 25 years, <laughs> right? Um, and it's John Roberts judicial activism that says, look, I know that Congress voted 98 to zero to pass this law again, but I think racism's over in America and therefore I'm going to write and it's, and it's gone. Right. So now there's no pretending you get all this goddamn voter uh, suppression. You know, RBG famously wrote in her dissent that, um, what did she say? She had a great line. It was, uh, this is like being caught in a rainstorm, uh, and throwing away your umbrella because you said you're not getting wet, right? It's like, it's exactly the Voting Rights Act that is protecting, you know, like, yeah. so they're they're getting rid of all this, right? So this is, this is the soft edge of this white power movement. They use this neutral language and, and John Roberts and Hawley, they, they also sound kind of like reasonable, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like John Yu, if you remember that guy who wrote the torture memos and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. He's like, oh, perfectly reasonable to like, redefine torture as, as organ damage, you know, or, or organ failure or pain on the uh, tantamount to death. Um, so that's, that's the other approach. Those approaches together, the hard and the soft, remade our politics, right? Just, and that's how you got, you've got Trump and you've got a country cr- club Republican like Mitch McConnell who's going to back Trump until like two hours ago. Right, until you know? the Capitol is... Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly he's quaking. He's like, oh, man, this is this is this is scary. But they'll let him have it. The media will let him have it. They'll all praise him. This is the problem. I'm watching. You know, I can't get away from the news today. I just want to see the fallout and just all these idiots. And I'm on I'm flipping around this morning. Morning, Joe. Mm -hmm. MSNBC, the liberal cable news. Colin Powell talking about how ridiculous this is. Crime. Back when we were blah, blah, blah. And then talking about um, how Dick Cheney warned us about Trump. Oh, my God. And I just am going to myself, oh, my God. It's outrage mixed with more of the same. And, like, you're having these war criminals on who who are responsible for millions of people's deaths, privacy issues, gerrymandering, they are literally part of the major, they're one of the major um, ingredients in the recipe for Trump. And we have them on talking about how they warned us. Get the fuck out of here. I was so pissed. I was furious. Like, we're listening to this guy? The guy that lied about WMDs? 
That guy who lied to the UN the Security UN. Council to go to war? 5,000 Americans dead? Four died yesterday. Why are you on here? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger problem, and it's way too big for someone like me to solve. It's going to take, you know, major reform. It's going to take progressives that are willing to dedicate their lives to this. But it's um, Trump pride on all of this. The media, he's right. The government, he's right. The, the the Chinese, the whatever you whatever he says, there's an amount of truth in all of it that he's right, but is taken to a level of conspiracy that causes uh, panic and delusions and um, psych- psychosis in some people. Some of those people look like zombies yesterday. Like I, I it, I'm watching people being interviewed and. They're actually thinking they're there. Not everybody is, and I'm. let me just preface this with, I can't stand anybody that was there. But brainwashing and cults, this is a real thing. And this is a cult now. The same way all of you people listening right now think people in Scientology are crazy or the people from Heaven's Gate or, you know, Road to Jones, Jonestown. And, and I'll throw it out there, the Catholic Church, all this shit, Okay. <laughs> I'll say it because I don't care. You're all in cults too. So these people, their cult just happens to be extremely destructive right now and doesn't actually fit with the way you want to live your life. But a lot of those people there really believe this election was rigged and there's this there's this conglomerate or whatever you want to call it out there to get rid of Trump who's there to save the people. That's a real thing. They're crazy and wrong, but the media has pushed this. When then when you get people like Colin Powell and you got you're reading statements from George Bush and Bill Clinton to what? What what is the what is the point of that? To prove your that other presidents think this is bad? These are rapist presidents and murdering presidents. Why are we hearing from them? So I'm just like I'm you know, there's a sense of like, of course, we deserve this. And I, I don't think this is the last time something like this is gonna happen. Um, I think this is going to motivate a lot of people because that looked pretty freaking easy, dude. That looked pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, which is also shocking because, you know, we lived in DC for years and you, you, if you throw a stone over the fence at the white house, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll hunt you down. The White house. And also, you know, I mean, I was in DC bringing like a student group there not too long ago, just a couple of years ago. And we wandered a little too close to the Capitol. They're out there, you know, and all of a sudden, three guards are out, and they're like, you know, politely, but excuse me, sir, what are you doing here? You know, and I'm with a bunch of students, you know, I'm just with a bunch of kids. Um, the idea that you can, you can literally, it, it looked like, I don't know, look like Penn State after a football game or something. Yeah. You know? It was just like, we were totally. just kind of like, I'm surprised they weren't overturning cars and burning. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, what? I was happy to see no Eagles jerseys. I will, uh, I will say I was terrified. <laughs> a little worried. Yeah. yeah, I was a little yeah. worried. But I, could, I didn't see I any. I could imagine. I but, could, yeah. you know, these are people that drove from Alabama, from Kentucky, from Texas. I mean, they drove because yeah. that's how powerful. The Colorado, which is insane. Insane. Colorado. That's how powerful this is. So... When, when you see the cops who are clearly, and not all cops, but clearly a fucking lot of them because the cops in D.C., that's not a small force. Mm-hmm. When the cops open, literally open up the dividers so they can go, what is the message that's sending to anyone else out there that was home say, that liked what happened? You can do this. You have the power. You can overthrow yeah. the government. You can yeah. you can capture senators. You can actually go in there physically and make a difference. It's disgusting. I, I you know I I'm just like I was waiting for images of people in cuffs laying on the ground. That's all I wanted to see is the Buffalo hat guy in cuffs mm-hmm. and the guy that hold, had Nancy Pelosi's letter in her. I just wanted to right. see the the main the main characters in cuffs. Would have felt good for everybody, and and hopefully we will see that in the future. But man, this was a a complete embarrassment. I actually woke up embarrassed. Like when I'm reading the New York Times app and it's like quotes from leaders around the world, Spain, you know, India, Germany, and they're like basically talking about us. Yeah. 
Like we're some unstable country that's about to be overthrown. And like, I mean, there was, they're not there was, wrong. <laughs> there was a great one from, from Venezuela. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh it my God. Just like, yeah. And it's, you know, we just got hacked by the Russians, cyber, a cyber attack. The Chinese are making deals left and right. All this foreign policy that we're supposed to be yeah. so, so tough on. A couple and the fight against, the, at least the fight against the coronavirus is going really well. Yeah. How many more people got it yesterday? It's been a 9-11 every night for the past month. It's really crazy. And and I think, you know, me and you talk about this a lot, but this idea, like, who's a patriot in this country? Like, who's a patriot? Am I a patriot? I don't, I, I don't know. What, did I have a choice? You know what I mean? Like, what does that even mean anymore? I'm not sure what that means anymore. I know, I do know some people, we know, we know some people that have like gone off you know, and thought people that have dedicated their life to change and policy and, 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 um, nonprofits and people that are doing good work. But the idea that patriotism is this tough guy thing, that's the problem. Like you're a patriot. If you just think you're better than everybody else, if you think the United States is the best country in the world, even though you've never left your shithole town, you're, that that's what we've and I'm sure it's it's all it's all calculated, but that's what patriotism is. It's a cult. This is all a um, in, we're indoctrinated into this American cult where we just think we're better than everywhere else. Luckily enough for us, we've I've gone I've been to I've been to Copenhagen, dude. Now their winters suck. They're living better than us. I promise you. I went there with my two best friends and Mahoney, who you know doesn't like going anywhere. Was right. like, why are we leaving? <laughs> why are we leaving this place? That's often how I feel when I go to New Orleans. Actually, New Orleans is is not part of this country. We are we're Caribbean. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I I I mean that it's a different yeah. place here. Although they they got their problems here, but that's what you're seeing is these people like. What does that mean? What you're a patriot? Because what? Because what? You because you like guns? Because you like your guns? Your, your yeah. second amendment because yeah. you don't because you got to be tough on immigrants coming into the country huh yeah we don't want the mexicans coming you're a patriot please go join the military jump out of a fucking black hawk right go tackle some terrorists in, in the mountains of afghanistan then come talk to me like you're a loser these people are losers they're scum of the earth losers there was a movie, I think it was a Spielberg movie. I'm forgetting the, the title right now, but it came out in the- Saving uh, Private Ryan, great <laughs> movie. Earn this. Remember that? Earn this. Yeah. But- Do you know I had a seizure during that movie? I think a lot of people did. The, bl the, the blinking lights. sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the blinking yeah. lights got me. Yeah. I yeah. was there with my grandfather who fought in World War II. Right. And then I, I got dragged that. out of the place. Right. Right. <laughs> that was that was the closest I could get to war. I couldn't even watch a war movie and not have to get carried out by oh, my people I was with. That's about hilarious. how useful I would be in a in a major situation. Hilarious. But in this movie, so I'll I'll find out what it is, but but there's this scene between Matt Damon and it's about the origins of the CIA, basically. Right. And and it's Matt Damon, who's like a CIA guy who's coming from like Harvard or Yale or something mm -hmm. like that. Some like, you know, waspy up yeah. and coming. You know, I, I got that when you said Matt Damon. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, right. You, you could have stopped there. <laughs> and, and then he's talking to Al Pacino and Al Pacino's playing a mob boss. And it's basically the CIA is like sort of negotiating with the mob about like turf and stuff like that and, and informants and things like that. And. Uh, no, sorry, it's not Pacino. It's Joe Pesci. I was kind of saying, dude. Cause... Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Pacino. It was Pesci. And Pesci says, um, you know, like, we Italians, we, you know, we have our family. We have our church and stuff like that. Like, you know, that's what we're kind of, you know, we do dirty stuff, but that's what it's all about. <laughs> what about you guys? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you for? And, and Matt Damon says <laughs> it's a great line because I think it encapsulates all this patriotism stuff. He's like, um, what we have is the United States of America. Right. All of you guys are just visiting. Right. And 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 that's the idea is that this is, you know, the white Protestant country that's being sort of held and, you know, we'll give a little, you know, we'll we'll maybe get rid of racial quotas here and there and stuff like that, but fundamentally it's it's at, at its core 
um, is is a white ethno state, right? And and that's what these guys are basically saying that that look, we understand that, and we are the ones who are going to sort of make sure that 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 does not deviate. This is that idea, by the way, is not new. That goes way back and probably the most prominent 20th century proponent of that idea was Teddy Roosevelt, right. who argued that America, like England, like South Africa, he said, Canada and Australia were what he called, quote, white men's countries. And they were all would be white men's countries. Teddy and, said that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I like oh. Teddy. Damn. Teddy was an arch racist. Yeah. Um, he was? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Josh Hawley wrote a book on Teddy Roosevelt, which is you know, might interesting. Be, that would be uh, next on my list. Yeah. Damn it. Um, so that view, you know, it's been around for a long time. Um, and and now they just have to suppress it by saying that racism's over in the Supreme Court. <laughs> you know, like, like they, that's, oh, that's the way God. to sort of get around is like, oh, we're not going to really talk about it, uh, the problems, because we'll just say it's over. We'll declare it over. I mean, they would have been better off storming the chambers of the Supreme Court. Those are the idiots in there. They like those guys. I know. I am just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss for all of this because I, we're, we're at this point. If, 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 if going into year two of a pandemic where all we've gotten so far is 1200 bucks, where we've lost businesses, family members, friends, um, financial security we've lost jobs healthcare. we've lost everything right everyone's lost something mm -hmm. yeah every single person i know has lost something except for those you know 0.1 yeah. people that we don't know right. but you know we're living off savings we're our friends are and we're lucky i'm not complaining but i know people that 1200 bucks they need that if that didn't bring us all together to be like, oh, fuck all these motherfuckers, these senators, Mitch McConnell won. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, mm -hmm. they won. And they were fighting to not give you anything. And that's how deep this is, this idea of being a patriot. We, we don't want, want to take take all that. We, we want to just get handed money, right. handed money. Because that's they're all so fucking programmed that we give money to all sorts of stuff. All sorts of tax breaks, military budgets, police. Oh, my God. If you know how much these police cars cost that they don't even use. But when it comes to actually the people, we just nothing. Yeah, because, you know, that, again, that's part of the, um, the ideology. Bernie, Bernie said it best. He said, you know, that the, the ideology, certainly of the right and for and and of liberals for a long time, hopefully that's changing a little bit, is that it's rugged individualism for the people and socialism for the rich. Right. right. That, 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 that's what it is, that they are cushioned from everything. They have all sorts of safety nets and, and have all sorts of benefits uh, coming from policies that are supposed to benefit them. Now, why can't that be for everybody? Right, that's the question. Because they all um, want to be the rich person. <laughs> because that's they're what they extracting do to from the rugged individuals. Right, right. That's that's how they. We live in money. a country where people would rather defy mask rules to go to a restaurant. I'm going to go in a restaurant. It's all right, rather than saying, "Yeah, let's right pay the restaurant people. <laughs> let's just pay everybody. We'll stay home. Send us some money. Yeah. Pay me to yeah. stay home. I'd love to stay home." I love yeah. watching TV. I'm on my second season of Alone. This could last me weeks. <laughs> Send me a fucking check, dude. I don't care where it comes yeah. from. Send me a check. Yeah. Why it's, are we all not saying this? It's actually crazy that, you know, the way you just put it is that people are literally out there with guns demanding the Remove. right not to wear a mask yeah. and not demanding the right to health care. Right. You know, it's, right. it's like... I'm not saying there aren't good reasons to storm the Capitol. <laughs> right, right? Like, like we can we can sort of Plenty. think about you know, various reasons why why more people that have real collectivity might might want to have a lot of anger directed at that building. But but the way it's channeled yep. is it's manifested in these sort of little things, which is actually the brilliance of the right. Brilliant. You know that that they are able to channel all that anger either away yeah. to china like mythical china this place that 
you know, is, China. is a cultural totem for the for it for yeah. the right. You know, it's like you can. Meanwhile, you everything in your it. damn house is from China, right. but you're not yeah. throwing it out. Right. For exactly. And then the other thing is, is, you know, the, the masks and, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, eating out and going to a bar or something like that. And meanwhile, you don't even have money in your pocket. Nothing. And if your kid gets sick, you don't have health don't insurance. Have anything. So, you know, it's, it's, don't have it's access to anything. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, Michigan, it's pretty ingenious. Why, why don't you, why don't you storm the, the Michigan Capitol when they were poisoning your kids with yeah. water? That would have been, I would have been like yes storm it yeah. <laughs> yes. killing your kids that's a good reason to storm a capital they're poisoning Absolutely. our children who are screwed forever we're coming to get you i would yeah. go damn man i mean they did poison the kids willingly yeah. okay they got a point i just um i don't if we're not if we're not there right now right going into year two of a pandemic that mm -hmm. has no end in sight no end no. in sight um, I don't know how we ever get there. Honestly, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, we got the Senate, and and I feel nothing today. I know, right? I feel nothing. Trump really knows how to destroy. He did. He ruined the party, day. man. He, yeah. he he fucking threw my pie on the ground. Yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> He's I know. pissed on my cake. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I, I don't feel, I know, I know, I'm happy, but I just feel nothing. I feel nothing. Yeah. I feel nothing. I'm not that excited about Joe Biden. That's part of it. I'm not, I'm not super pumped on some of the people he's been naming. I'm, I'm, Stacey Abrams brought you it again. Yeah. When, when are we going to give her something? I know. Maybe a little statue, something. Yeah. Maybe name Head something. Head of the DNC, maybe. Something. Um, you know, I'm just... It's I, I feel like I'm I'm afraid we're going and I, I'm afraid we're going into four years where it's been handed to you. This is not hard, right? I'm not I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't think I could be president. I don't know enough about anything. But I do know one thing. I could go in there and get people pumped. It's not that hard. Who won you this election? Black voters. What do you what what first thirty days? You got you got all the control. Nonviolent drug offenders, free them, restore their voting rights. Most of them are black. Do you know what you just did? You've now fixed what you caused, which is why a lot of black people didn't want to vote for him. You've made up for it, and you just gained more votes. This is this is easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is not hard. And that's not even that radical. No one should be in prison for fucking marijuana anymore. I'm sorry. Get out of here. Yeah. So, you know, these little tiny things, which are actually huge, they could do. I just don't, I don't feel, I'm not holding my breath. I'd Tony, love I to think, be shocked. I think you just invented our, our, our new bit for the end of the show. What? pointers for biden right it used to be party favors Fuck well think of a better favors, yeah. better better name pointers for biden but yeah but like like yeah. what they should be doing well we just gave right? them that's two. a that's a great idea that's yeah. a great idea stacy abrams um, give her something huge stacy abrams should be coordinated given what she didn't because I, I was skeptical i was like georgia georgia we were you know? screaming like, for her to be the vp we were yeah, screaming yeah, for yeah. you know but at this point you know she handed you oh georgia in and the control presidential and, and control. senate control um she is either that's either cabinet or head of dnc you know, one or the other. Something. That's, that's, that's not a little bullshit thing. And it should be, I honestly, it should be the head of the DNC because she knows how to organize. Clearly. You know? Clearly. So, yeah. Ugh. Anyway. All Fun right. Stuff. Well, what a weird day. Yeah. <laughs> weird yeah. Day. Week one down. Uh, I'll tell you 2021. What, my, 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 uh, um, I feel like I'm 10 years older right now. I'll always remember, moment, I'll always I, remember I, 40. <laughs> Pandemic. <laughs> Kind of a coup, moron yeah. coup. Yeah, the stupid coup. Stupid coup. Um, wow, and not really an end in sight for for the pandemic. I mean, low money would be nice. Yeah, money. yeah, not yeah. six hundred bucks too. Yeah, they got to up that thing. All right. Well, we'll be back um, next week, right? Yeah. You know, God knows what'll happen between now and then, but but uh, we'll be back. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll be back sooner. If you know, yeah, 
Right. They storm right. something else. <laughs> they storm something else. Oh, my God. All right, man. All right. No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amit Prakash. Um, and we are on Mark Zuckerberg's websites. Find us. We are. Um, we are no, doing we're not that active <laughs> right, now, right now not really but we are rebuilding our own website we are. and that's to come so yes. look out for that we're gonna in the next live couple on weeks that. it's 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 going to be great yeah, so we're going to be checking out the next couple weeks um all right we'll see you next week see you next week <laughs>